Welcome to another episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast, where we focus on building better businesses. I believe in order to be the best leader that you can be, you must be willing to be the first follower and have a servant mentality when you're in a leadership position. If you want to be the best leader that you possibly can be, be sure to stay tuned and listen to industry leaders and hear how they built winning cultures in their own businesses. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Tactical Leader. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Andrew Myers, and we're going to be talking about how he helps clients create little videos with big results. Andrew, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Zach. Man, I'm super excited about bringing you on. It's always fun to speak with another veteran, somebody that kind of gets the world in the same capacity that I get. And I really want to give the audience an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you, where You began in a very interesting sales and marketing at 16 years old, selling toys door to door, stumbled into the world of selling cars at staffed event sales all over the country. That's pretty young to be starting that early. Yeah, well, it's it's, you learn a lot more than you would have in high school, put it that way, going in and out of businesses all day long. But yeah, no, I I like, you know, obviously, I always love talking to veterans, but it's always great when you've had two sort of unconnected things in common with somebody and entrepreneurs, veterans is a funny batch of people. You know what I mean? We approach those problems very uniquely. And then there's also entrepreneurs that sold toys door to door, which is another very interesting cross section of, of approaches that, you know, it's always fun talking to those people too. Yeah, man. And, and really you didn't stop there. I mean, you still, this is really the foundational piece of it, but really in 2008, you really started exploring a passion for making videos and you started a nationally recognized custom video studio with your brother in the heart of Seattle. And that's kind of where this, what we're really going to be unpacking and talking about today is creating little videos with that, that really big impact. And I mean, I love that you really draw a lot of your military experience, kind of similar to I do, you know, those rules, those things we learn on the battlefield and into the boardroom. You're a military paratrooper. I mean, you did like all the fun stuff where video would make it all look cool. So it's kind of makes sense that you would get some pretty good videos going. You know, we started off making the very high end videos, you know, two minute videos, walk around. I mean, we, the stuff we made was mostly for the automotive industry. And what was unique is that we knew how to sell. And a lot of people who make videos, everything is like a music video. You know, it's just pan, sweep, cut shot, you know, play with the colors. Uh, and everybody's making that same thing. But, you know, video in the form of visuals is not a very good sales tool. You know, what makes it good is literally just having a salesperson speak and do what they would do if they were in front of you. And so we started to realize, you know, we've got a million dollars worth of bills every year and 12 people on our team at one point that, you know, oh, crap, these super highly, you know, designed and created graphics, music and all this stuff that when I put this in front of a customer, like in their sales flow, like on Facebook or something like that, they get beat every time by just Joe Schmo with a cell phone jammed in his face. And, you know, when you got a million dollars invested, that's not a thing you want to learn. (laughs) That is not information I was receptive to. So we had to really, we realized right then, man, we need to pivot. And we sort of stopped being a video production outfit and started becoming a Facebook business development agency where the unique thing that we brought was an ability to create shorthand content. So most, you know, most of my you know, competitors or contemporaries, they'll get a client and that client will give them $5,000 and they'll, you know, oh yeah. And then they'll, they'll make one asset for them and then they'll just, you know, shoot it out to the world. And then but that's not really sales or marketing. You know what I mean? That's not really how it works. So we would just create these little situational videos based on what day it was, what product the person was looking at on the website, whether or not they had clicked on my last ad. Hey, man, why did you skip me? You know, what's going on? 
and we created more of like a flow that would create sort of like an ad bot you know how a chat bot works you know your response cues the next response so this is like an ad bot where based on what somebody did then this next action would take place and it takes place over you know a, a two-week cycle or a month-long cycle so it allows you to kind of develop a conversation and so yeah video just became our secret weapon as marketers as a regular old agency but a lot of people have a difficult time keeping up with us because they don't have the ability to put the content together. So yeah, the course you mentioned, this is our new endeavor, Little Videos, Big Results, is actually a course for business owners that shows them how to pull that cell phone out of their pocket and handle all the framing, lighting, the sound, and really just simplify what it means to, to make a video, whether that's for, you know, to reach out to a lead, to use as an ad, to put in an email, to have be an autoresponder. There's all these places in a business that need a video. And a lot of times, you know, people are not investigating how much potential is behind those ideas uh, because for them, making a bunch of videos is just, I don't know how to do that or I hate the way I look or not with my nose. You know what I mean? And so it really helps them sort of overcome what that is and give them the, the, the tools they need to make good content. And then it has some coaching in the beginning about what videos are right for your business. We sort of take them through the, the worksheets that are in the training and then some coaching at the end to go, well, how do your videos look? You know, do they suck? Which they always do. That's part of the process. That's how it's supposed to go. I'm an artillery guy, so we, we go with them and make those little adjustments to get them on target. You're never supposed to hit on the first volley, right? No, I mean, it never is how it works. And I know a lot of, going back to that military spot, a lot of what we talked about before recording was that you really like a good shock and awe video, something that grabs attention. It kind of would be more like, oh man, why would you say something like that? Or can you can dive into like your, your strategy behind that where you kind of stand out on video beyond just making video? Yeah. So again, now keep in mind everything I, now I live in a world where everything is an ad, right? So like when I talk about making videos, I'm very, very rarely talking about, uh, you know, make something and post it somewhere. You know, it's, that's not really the type of marketing that I see as super valuable. But to your point, what we do, and I'm not talking to clients from all kinds of industries, and almost all of them spend all their money and their time on identifying their audience. So if you're selling a board game that you made, finding out, hey, I made that's what she said, and you can buy it, and this is how the game works. That's a pretty effective ad, you know, but because it's simple and you can just talk to them right at eye level, you know. But when you get involved in trying to actually produce a product or a process, going out to sell a car, like a lot of my clients, to go out there and say, hey, do you want to buy a car? It's not going to work very well. So we try to get them to understand, look, there's an audience identification phase, and but there has to then be an audience conversion phase. So that's the chat, the ad bot. You know, you have all this stuff sitting there and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit them with whatever products they've looked at. And if they look at a certain hand cream, you can make a video for that product about why it's great and then testimonials and this whole thing happens. But to your point, in order for that to work, you need an audience. So that video that shocks people, catches their attention, or, or moreover, I'm like, let's say I'm building a, a funnel for a, a, some, a solar company. I'm going to have a video that is very pleasing to watch. So we're going to make, you're going to see right down the line of solar panels and he's clicking them in and you're hearing that satisfying, you know, click as he's doing it. And then what I can do then is pay to show that to a hundred thousand people and meter it. I can actually with Facebook, this is something a lot of people don't realize you don't have to click. So most of the time it's either, did you click or did you not click? We can add, did you click? Did you not click? Did you watch three seconds of the video? Did you watch half the video? Did you watch the whole video? And all those become different audiences that can get different actions. So to your point, what we would try to do is make it clear, this is about solar, but make it visually appealing. So it's easy to sit around and watch. And then we'll cut that list down to 10,000 people who engage the most. And that'll be like the 300 that clicked and then the 9,700 that watched it the longest. 
And then this gives us a warm audience to come back to and have a completely different kind of conversation with. And that audience is one-tenth the size of the original audience. So we can just play 10 ads to them for the same cost. And then we cut that audience down further yet into the hot audience. And now is when we start playing them discounts and, hey, let's do business today. Let's go. Let's go. And now that audience is one-tenth of the medium audience. So now we can play them, you know, 100 ads if we need to for the same money. You know, so that funnel process is such an important detail that people miss, that like showrooming effect that you can create using the Facebook tools. And it all sits up at the front. It all starts with, you know, a good eye-catching video, like you said, the shock and all, that gets somebody to separate themselves from the herd. And, hey, man, why are you watching? You know, like I keep getting this uh, net for my daughter. These kids kick into this net and it like rebounds the ball. And they're, they're, they're doing it right because I've never clicked on the ad. But I keep seeing it and they switch it out all the time. They go out and have the kids hit new balls. I just love soccer. So I'm, I'm an idiot. I get stuck watching it. You know what I mean? And I just want to see if this kid makes this shot. And like, oh, his, you know, sister's going next. Let's see. And because I keep consuming their ad, they keep showing me this thing. And I mean, I've been doing this dance with them for three months now. And I swear I was this close to actually buying that damn net last night. You know, so it allows you to build and generate an audience and go, why are you interested? You're not saying yes, but you're not saying no either, homie. So like, let's, what are we doing here? You can hit them with different offers, put the product in a different light. Or one of the things we talk in the training about is a lot of times for products, there's a reason why somebody's not buying it. And you can speak to that. Like, you know, I got this big dream wall put in my house. It's like a 35 foot sliding glass window. And like, you know, they almost all of their clients think that it's more expensive than it is. They think it'll take a month to install and it actually takes two days. You know, they think that it'll lower the value of the house, actually raises the value of the house. So like most products, like that goal thing, I mean, I think that I don't know how to install it. It seems like it needs to be anchored. Maybe it doesn't. So they could speak right to that. And then, bam, the reason I'm not buying it would evaporate, you know. So, yeah, that's super important to have that eye-catching video at the front to go, hey, man, you seem like you might be a maybe on my product. I'm going to carry this conversation on with you. And so it's marketing by reduction rather than inclusion, including everybody where, you know, it's like a bonsai tree. We're shaving away the things that we don't want to create the, you know, the prospect that we do. And I think a lot of people don't recognize, and I've seen this with clients of my own that want to get into that realm where, whether they're doing you know, wanting to sponsor a podcast or their summit or their conference or their next online course, it becomes one of those things where they want to throw one ad set up and be like, cool, I'm good. I'll throw one ad at it and we'll make money. And a lot of people don't recognize like, like you're talking about, it's like an onion, right? There are layers to a successful ad set that allows you to actually go from, I don't know who the heck you are to, all right, this is a hot audience they're buying now, right? I mean, there's so much more intricacy to it. Yeah. Well, imagine you get out of your car at a Toyota store you know, and you meet this guy and he goes, Hey, I'm Eric. And we have some great specials today on the Tundra. And you go, well, actually I'm here to buy a minivan. I'm looking at these three. This is my price point. And he goes, great. And APR is only 3% on the Tundra. And you're like, what are you broken? Like, you know, this is not a sales process. And for anyone who's ever been in sales, they understand that sales is about getting information from the customer and then effectively using that particular information back to them. So like, I'll tell you a funny story here. So I had this guy one time tell me that I was selling toys door to door. And I started to understand that I needed to get a prompt from people in order to use that back to them like we're talking about. And the guy said, did hit me with the whole, you know, sell me this pen. And the pen was squishy and it had, it was like, had a squishy tip on it. And then it was a click pen. And so, you know, he wanted me to start talking. And I said, well, before I say anything about this pen, I put it behind my back. So let me just ask you, 
what do you like about pens? What's your favorite pen now? And he goes, oh, it's this one here. And I said, so, you know, do you like pens that are like are clickable? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like pens that are clickable. He threw me a softball. And I said, oh, great. And then I said, so what about like the end? Do you like a firm thing or like more of a cushiony part for your hand? And he realized I can't just throw him two softballs. So he's like, well, I like one that doesn't have the squishy part like my pen. But I'd already, so all I have to do now is feed the information he just gave me back to him. So I said, well, I'll tell you what, you're going to love this pen. It's clicky like you like, and I know you don't, you know, your preference is to have a pen, but when you try to write with this, you're going to, he goes, all right, all right, all right. Cause he understood I broke the game. I'm not selling you a pen. I'm selling a pen to you. And that's very, very different. That's what good, great sales is taking the information that the customer gave you, feeding that back to them, not just some preconditioned pitch. So if you, if you relate that to, like you said, the one ad set, well, you've got three sound bites in there and they have nothing to do with the customer. And now, meanwhile, we know what time of day it is. We know what products they've interest, they're interested in from pixeling them on, when they were on our website or in our catalog. We know how old they are. We know whether they're a man or a woman. We know whether or not they have a veteran background. We know if they like dogs, for God's sake. You know what I mean? So to know all of these things about our prospect and not include them in the pitch back to them is criminal. Yeah, and I think that's a, something that so many people talk about. You have to niche down your audience and you have to really work your way down. And I think a lot of people don't understand like the the opportunity cost they're looking at that, right? They're looking at, well, I have to do so much work and it's so much and it's so much and so much. But realistically, with an agency like yours and really looking into the psychology of a buyer, it's not really going to be that much, right? Like it, it's not that much work. You just have to put in enough to look at the analytics attached to what's happening and really figuring out what works in your yep. favor in that way, right? But if you drop me off at, you know, a dentist and a dentist is like, man, I really want to build the right kit for my business. And this is really important that he know this. If I'm there as his spokesperson, I'm there with nothing but the cell phone in my pocket and I can create the entire series he needs in less than two hours. I'd go stand by the entrance and I would do a welcome and I would walk through the showroom. I'd catch two testimonials that were there that day. I would do a special, hey, let's act now. I would do a, hey, let's get it done before the weekend so you can relax this weekend that would only play on Thursdays and Fridays during the day, right? I would do, you know, you get the idea. It's right out of the course. So I would go, okay, here's the kit. You need 12 videos. Once you're up to speed on how to pull your phone out and talk to it, it's not the hardest thing. I mean, you're basically just FaceTiming a prospect in the future. <laughs> and so you go, hey, what if somebody, what if you knew this about a customer? What would you say to them? And if you don't know what to say to them, then you're probably not in good shape anyways in your business. You know, most business owners, if I said a mom is standing here, but she's this and that, and she's looked at these two products, go, they'll know what to say. So, you know, the aim of our course is just to show them how to hold the phone and where to stand so that they can start to have just conversations with prospects. Now, does that prospect exist? Maybe not yet. Maybe he won't be in your funnel or she won't be in your funnel for another six months. But if you say people who meet this criteria, people who are both veterans and have looked at this product, and you compare those two, now let me make an ad for veterans that have looked at this product. And it's going to sit in Facebook like a sprung trap and wait for somebody to step on it. And so, yeah, when you really think that way, like you said, it, it's more daunting to people. It's one of the very few things that the scale of it, when you look at it, you go, wow, that'd be harder than you find out. That's really not hard at all. You do need to pick up a baseline of skills so that the results are good and you like what you make. But the moment you've picked up just the basics of, of where to stand for light 
and how to hold the phone and how to use the framing of the background. And then now that stuff's intuitive. You're not, you know, your mind's not controlling those. You're, you know, you're doing that intuitively. Now you're just standing there talking to a customer. And so you feed yourself a situation. Hey, it's Thursday. What would you tell people to get them to act now and not wait till the weekend? You know, go, homie, just go, just do it. Just hold the phone out and say that. And then, you you know, even using it in the, in the kit with Facebook, it's not hard to set those up. If somebody watches 40% of this video, then put them in this audience, then use this audience with this ad. It's easy, you know? So we've done ads for people who confirm they were going to an event to say, hey, I know you confirm the events tomorrow. I mean, you can use it the way you would have used an email outreach back in the day. So yeah, it really is. You know, to your point, I it's easy for me and a business owner should know that it's two hours work if they know the skills. But at the end of the day, they might not value why they need the skills appropriately. So a big part of our job in the course and as you know, as leaders is to try to show people that the juice is worth the squeeze. You know, if you are, you know, I've had people tell me I'm not a video guy and I go, well, what if I gave you a 50? Would you make a video then? They go, oh, hell yeah. Okay, so this has nothing to do with you being a video guy. It's that you don't believe the juice is worth the squeeze. So business owners have to start there and assess these are areas where my business needs a video. People are emailing me and I'm not auto responding. People are hitting my products and I'm not inviting them back to buy the products. You know, people are, you know, on my website and there's nothing there for them to see. You know, I've got happy customers everywhere. I've never filmed a testimonial. So a lot of those things, they don't seem like problems because they don't realize how much juice they're leaving behind. And when, when you start with why I need the product and what difference it'll make in my business, then the bar to clear where you just pull your phone out and talk at it, it doesn't seem as high. I think a lot of that kind of boils down to a principle that you believe in. And you actually had your, your first company that you built and then sold follows this principle. And it was called What's Next Media. But you really focus on what's next as a principle to kind of break down those paralyzing pieces like the analysis paralysis, right? And especially in the business ownership, there's like so much happening. It's like, oh, man, that's going to take six hours when in reality, once you understand it's only going to take an hour and a half, you'll actually knock it out, right? Because it's more revenue producing. Can you unpack that a little bit more for us? So, you know, it, it kind of exists in two parts. Um, the first part is don't let something become a six hour task. Don't say I got to do all the laundry today. That's actually five independent tasks tied together by a common goal at the end, clean laundry. But you actually have to round it up off the floor. You've got to get it in the basket. You've got to get the baskets over by the thing. you got to have a folding station just because so, as it comes out, you have to fold it. So part of it is unpack literally your one big thing into 45 little things. That's the first part of it. Then the second part of it is, oh, shit, I've got 45 things to do. <laughs> you know, just do one. Don't spend, you know, don't sit around and go, oh, man, I don't know. This is that. Just start working. You know, 45 things is actually better than one big thing, but 45 things is not a, is also stressful in its own way because now you have all these, you know, tasks to do. So that started with us when we first started the company, we're trying to build a logo and then we're like, oh my God, is the logo copyrighted? Do we have a business license? Oh my God, you, you know, do we have an employment agreement? And it's just like, I don't want to run a business anymore. Like there's so much stuff to do, but whether it's building a book, writing a book, which we're doing now, which I had never done before or anything, you know, we start just writing down, I'm big with analog to-do lists. And, you know, you got to fall in love with analog to-do lists in my mind because you get so much dopamine from that scratch off. That one's done. You know, I've written things down just to write them off. <laughs> I'm like, well, I just did that. I'm getting credit for it. You know, <laughs> don't forget to email Randy. Did that, you know. So, yeah, the what's next principle is really just about taking these large things that, again, paralysis. You look at it, you're like, I'm, you know, well, how am I going to do all this? There's so much to do. I might not even make a dent in the overall problem today if I get after it all day. 
So I'm not going to think about anything other than what I'm going to do next. And I just pick one of those things off that list and get hot on it. Get the business license done today. You know what I mean? Get that off. And then tomorrow, at least you're, you're, you have less, less to do. So, you know, you don't, don't focus on like the download bar. I was trying to play Age of Empires that just came out the other day and I was staring at this download bar and, it, and I couldn't play the game until the whole thing downloaded. So, you know, life isn't like that. I mean, you can hit small downloads and get the completion sensation going on all day long and be making steady progress towards whatever you're eventually building. Because the good things in life that need building, they, they don't get built in a week or even a month or six months. You, you know, it takes an impetuous behavior pattern in order to get yourself there. Yeah. And I, I love what you're talking about. And really it boils down to, you know, getting those small wins, right? You, you keep making a bunch of small wins and small tasks, small goals. And I think that's a, a militaryism, right? You're, you have a, you know, you got to win a yeah. war, but you got to break it down to, all right, what's the first part of winning a war? And I know there's a book and I cannot remember the Admiral's name, McRaven, I believe that did the, had the speech that went viral a couple of years ago about first thing you do in the morning is make your bed. Yeah. yeah. Tuck your bed in. Cause it's like just bed. that small yeah. win. So I love how you're kind of breaking that down is like, just get those small wins out of the way. And eventually the big goal end up getting accomplished. Well, and, and also when you don't do the small things that are around you because you're so driven on this one big thing, it creates an uneasiness in your soul that you don't taste. It's like the frog in the boiling water. So, you know, we've got a course coming out this week. We've got a lot of business stuff. we got the first coming up, which is our invoicing time. So we're slammed this week and I'm pacing around and I really can't do any of that work ahead of time this weekend. So I'm feeling weird because I, I'm behind in, in my life with work. And I don't know how to enjoy my free time. So I'm like, well, here we go. I, I cleaned up that laundry analogy was me. I picked up all the laundry. We just moved into this big giant house and everything was just like thrown in the, in the closet. So I did all that, got it all put away. I, I sprayed off my turf. I got in the pool and scrubbed all along the edge of the pool. Like all the things that I'm not going to have time to do during a week. And I feel a million times, I didn't even know how much it was bothering me that some of these things had been sitting around for three weeks, you know, just brooming up underneath my door out here. It, it had been a mess. So, I mean, I probably did 78 little honeydew items, you know, on Saturday alone. And I woke up on Sunday, the house is clean. No, I hadn't mopped the floor in a while. They got these big wood floors and, you know, and I feel like I'm ready to absolutely murder the work week now because I'm not dragging around this baggage of things that are undone. So make sure that you have different download bars going on in your life, personal relationship, work, and that you're advancing the ball on all those downloads a little at a time and not letting the machine sit on Age of Empires for three weeks and nothing else in your life is getting done, you know? Yeah, I think that's huge because I, I see it a lot with people that don't have the military mindset. They haven't been in that. Let's get the next task accomplished. And um, I like that you're correlating a lot of that over. Yep. And there's another, I guess, idiom that you use I'm really focusing on like horseshoes and hand grenades and how getting close is good enough as it goes uniquely. But like you said earlier, it's kind of in the artillery yep. world. You just work your way over and one thing that I've kind of started saying a little bit in that regard to overcome this paralysis is instead of what we know of like ready, aim, fire, ready, fire, aim, take your shot and then start pivoting a little bit. And I think COVID is a perfect example of how people didn't do that. They weren't ready to pivot those small adjustments until they found what worked. But it sounds like you've got that uh, pretty nailed down. Well, as an artillery guy, I don't think people realize, you know, there's three parts of that job. There's the dude who's out there with the infantry. And his job is to watch the round and tell us where it landed. And then we have the guys loading the gun. And then we got me, you know, doing the math. And at the end of the day, we fire that first round. Its job is to tell us how to make adjustments because the wind 
there's no perfect. It's not that we missed. Like we didn't miss. It just didn't hit the target. It was a data round. You know what I'm saying? The first round was always a data round. Then the guy on the ground goes, man, up 30, right, 35. You know what I mean? Then I put that on the mat, do the math, give it back to the guys, and then that one lands in the doorway. I just thought you were always terrible shots, honestly. (laughs) No, that's by design, baby. So people do this same process with their videos. I always love the term horseshoes and hand grenades because I remember hearing it as a kid and being like, what? That is, oh, I get it now. That makes a lot of sense. And they're kind of linked in that way. But video is linked creating videos in the process of doing it where you're always getting better with everyone that you make and you get to see it. You get to be your own observer. That's the reason people don't like videos. They're like, man, my mustache looks stupid. My, my nose is dumb, whatever it is. Okay. Well, that's how you really look. And you're not going to change that. Or maybe you can, maybe there's something you can do. Change your mustache. You know what I'm saying? Like, If you got a nervous tick, work on it. Cause you're doing that in real life. Don't blame the video. But people have that same thing where You know, if you put the average person in charge, they probably would never shoot an artillery round because they know that they're never going to hit their target. Like, I don't want to lie. We could land anywhere. You know, it's like, no, but that's what you do. You shoot it and you adjust it. And that's how you end up finding your ability to put one in the doorway. So I always joke that, you know, video and artillery are linked the way horseshoes and hand grenades are as a phrase, because it's one of the few things that you get accurate. You can shot, you can shoot a data round. You can make a video. You can decide the video sucks and then you can delete it. You don't have to send it to anybody. You know, it doesn't have to have any consequence behind it. And you can clean up your framing. You can clean up what you're, you know, hey, I don't like the way this looks. Why does it look that way? Can I change that? Should I change my background? Is the light the problem? Whatever. And you get all the data you need to, to make an adjustment. So we always tell our like our students who are training in the course, like the idea that the first one isn't the way you wanted it is by design. That's not a mistake. That's built into the sauce. That's how it's supposed to be. And you making those mistakes and adjustments are how you're going to find your style eventually, whatever it is that you do that's a little different than what everyone else is doing. So lean in on that and also understand in doing that, that the more shots you take, the more data you get, and the more adjustments you make, the more accurate the next shot will always be. So get your reps in, you know, I mean, make a video 50 times if you have to make 50 videos for the hell of it. Like we tell people in the course, if you feel weird doing your business, because it's like too final and you're not nailing it, just take one of our template guides for somebody else's business. Pretend you're Janet and now you're on a veterinary studio. You know what I'm saying? And just do Janet's videos, but do a damn video. Get out there, point that thing at yourself and talk. And if you have to put yourself in the position of, oh, I'm not me, I'm somebody else in order to get over the exercise of it, fine. You know, put a wig on, pretend you're Queen Elsa, you know, sell ice. But get out there and get in front of the camera and get used to, you know, taking your lumps and making your adjustments. I'm laughing in the background because, I mean, that's really what it is, man. Like, if you go back and listen, I think you're going to be, um, when this releases, will be around episode 250 or so. Go back and listen to episode one. And tell me how God awful it was, because it's exactly what you're saying. You know, you polish it as you go. And I think a lot of this is so fascinating to me. I had a professional life before I ever joined the military. And it seems like there are a lot of military guys that and gals that go from the military into business ownership because of the things we intrinsically learn from discipline to getting stuff done from tasking like that. Is there been like a, a resource that you've loved in the civilian world, whether it's been books, podcasts, a coach, a mentor, something that really helped you shift your mindset away from military into more of this business ownership capacity? Um, well, I have, you know, I've got a rhino tattooed on my leg. It's the only tattoo I have. And it's, it's the spirit animal for entrepreneurs, you know, thick skin, tunnel vision, charge straight ahead. So this has been my life all along. The military was a blip for me to sort of temper my, you know, wild spirit from being out on the road when I was 16. 
And they didn't really brand me too heavily. I learned a lot, but I'm not one of those guys that's been super shaped by the military. But I paid attention well, and so a lot of my anecdotes and stuff come from the military now. But, you know, the number one, you know, business piece of business advice is just read Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich is the is, you know, the secret got turned into like, you know, fart in your hand and write, you know, write on, you know, fairy dust will appear. And if you just think about it enough, you know, you'll get what you want. And that never made sense to anybody. And it kind of got ridiculed. Think and Grow Rich is the recipe version. Here's what ingredients. Here's how long to bake it. Here's what to do exactly. And I've never met anyone that read Think and Grow Rich. It wasn't absolutely changed by it other than the people that didn't do it. Like when they say, hey, I always say like, hey, well, how's that going? They're like, so pretty good. And I say, which pocket do you, because one of the things I tell you to do is write your goals down, put it in your pocket so that you can have it in front of you all day. Well, I'm like Jedi about this now. I don't even have to write it down. I've learned to just project what I want in front of me, which is even more constant than having it in your pocket. Like that ability to drive your attention at something and, and use your attention like currency is a lot of what the book is about. And so I'll ask people, what pocket did you write your goals down in? And it's a trap because it'd be like, oh, I didn't do that. So you didn't do the why read a book and then not take the actions that it that are presented to you. And so the people that buy into, you know, the process of thinking grow rich and go, I'm just going to I'm going to do this and then make it not work. You know, I'm going to I'm going to try to do it exactly the way they say I'm not going to modify it. I'm not going to think that's cute, but it's not for me. You know, which, mind you, I already said I don't want I do it my own way. But, you know. <laughs> But, you know, I've come through the other side. I started off doing it their way and then I found a way to, you know, which is always the key for people, right? Do it my way first and then put your own stuff on it. But yeah, for people who read Think and Grow Rich, it's not really a business book. It's an aspirations book. It's how to transmute your attention into things, into actions, into, you know, things taking place in your life that didn't seem likely before. And to me, that's the sauce. That's the wind beneath my wings, if you will. That with, you know, sort of a military background where we talk a lot about, you know, we have missions, not goals. When we say something's going to happen by a certain date, like I'll keep everybody up all night if that's what it takes to hit that date. We don't, I don't get seen making goals that we don't hit by anyone, not my wife, not my dog, not my clients, anybody. And that spirit, you know, will take you a lot of, you know, and that, that's an armyism for sure. And that takes you a lot of the way in just right being intentional about what you're going to do, being clear about what would make today a good day, what would make this week a good week, what would make this month a good month, and then driving at that until it's done because it gives you some satisfaction. It's not just how much you accomplish. It's what it does for you internally to know I did the right shit today. I got it. I did it. That thing I said in the morning, it'd be great if I could get this done by the day. I did it. I drove through and I did that. And so, yeah, I'm not done. I still have a million problems in front of me and maybe months worth of work. But the thing that would have impressed me this morning is done. Yeah, man, I I think that's awesome. And I I think it's such a great resource to go and look into because it it makes sense, right? It's plain and simple, right? It's their tactics right there. And I know you've been hustling. You've been doing this a long time, man. You've been in the entrepreneurship world for a long time. Went back and served in the military. Obviously, you're putting things out there that are really highlighting your knowledge and giving back into the community. And I'm really curious, man, what's the legacy you're wanting to leave on the world with everything you're doing and everything you've been through? Well, I grew up, you know, my mom hates it when I say I grew up a poor kid. You know, we weren't poor, poor, but money was always a clear and present issue in our lives. I mean, there was never enough of it. And, you know, that's I didn't like ask my mom for things. So to me, I noticed early on when I was selling toys, you know, we all like to be listened to. And I was like a comedian. I'd talk and if people laughed, I liked that. But I noticed when you teach somebody how to make money, they listen to you in a way that you'll never get that attention from anybody in your entire life because it's self-serving. They don't care about you. They're not listening to you so you can tell them a story about your birthday party. It's all about them. 
and they they hang on the next thing you might say when they realize the next thing you might say might make them money, especially a lot of money or financial independence. And so, yeah, the legacy that I, I guess I'd, I want to leave behind is just people knowing that if I tell them it's going to rain, get an umbrella. You know what I mean? If I tell you to expect something to be done, it's going to be done. You know, that's the way I'd like to be seen. But what I'd like to spend my time doing is being known as somebody who, if you, you know, I, I hate private, I hate coaching. I hate the idea of having somebody pay you to just talk to them and give them advice. I, you know, I've had people in my life that have really helped me. And I don't feel the need to charge somebody to be helpful. I understand why people do. That's their job. But I hate that. I hate that ism, that whole thing. So it's like what I want people to know is if you've got a problem, if you've got a real situation, like I'm a real one, like you can call me and I will bend over backwards. I'll spend an hour pacing around my yard, helping you talk through it. I like solving problems. And sometimes I turn them into podcasts or blogs and I make a case study out of what we're doing together and it hopefully it helps other people. But you know, everybody says, Oh, I want to make a difference in the world. And I want, no, I don't, I don't care about the world. I'm still like, I'm, I'm just honest with myself that this is all an ego driven activity. Right. So it's like what I want when I'm nice to somebody or I do something kind for somebody that's for me, that's because it feels good. Some people are wired that way, you know, and if, if helping other people doesn't give you the, Oh yeah, then don't do it. That's fine. You were just made that way. I, you know, some people like basketball, some people don't for whatever reason, being able to help people gives me a lot of good feeling. And that's why I do it. Not because of them. It's not altruism at all. It's the way I want to spend my time is having people value what I've been able to do for them. You know what I mean? Like that's a big thing. So yeah, if I could leave a mark on the world, what I want to do is show people how to make a living, show people. I see, I go out and I, I'm really kind to the, the weight, the servers and you know, here you go, give them a good tip. But at the end of the day, what they need me to do is grab them by the, whole, the shoulders and go, this is never going to work out. <laughs> you need a totally different plan than the one you have. You know what? You're never going to save enough money here. You're not, you're, you're getting out of here, going home, watching anime. Your net, your situation is not going to improve. Like I, I need, they need me to shake them out of it. And so if there was a legacy that I could leave every time you make an entrepreneur, it's like having a kid because a whole new person just is made. And when you teach somebody how to fish and they're out there with their line, when you show up at the lake in the morning, that's the legacy that I would like to believe I could leave is just the, the you know, I, I look at, there's probably 12 people I've helped, you know, now that's not very big list. It's probably about to hopefully get a lot bigger this year, but 12 people, I can watch them every day, just killing whatever it is they're doing and they're happy. And then I see their friends in the comments. So proud of you, everything you've done this year. I really watch you work. And it's like, so now I rang their bell, but the resonance from that is bringing everyone around them. You know, I just find that to be the most joy, you know, that I can get out of a conversation or interaction with somebody other than making them laugh, which is still my, my number one. I absolutely love that. And that's such a, a great paying it forward mentality to have. And I think it's awesome. And um, I want to give the audience the opportunity to get some of this content from you and find out more about you. Where's the best place for them to find the course, find you and see more about what you got going on? Yeah, so my uh, like pen name is Emerstan, E-M-E-R-S-T-A-N. So you can always find me at Facebook slash Emerstan. That's always a great place. I have my business is Facebook, so I'm always on there. You can find me quickly on Messenger. And if you're interested in the course, it's littlevideosbigresults.com. And if, for you guys, the listeners of the show for right now, if you guys uh, go, to the sh go to that website now, there actually is no cost associated with the course. You guys can have it for two weeks, absolutely free and dig around in the course. You can feel free to screen cap it and you may never need to come back. It's, it's everything but the private coaching. 
So you can see all the materials that are in the course. And if you decide that you want to pay to be a member of it, then obviously you get all the groups and training and everything that comes with it. But so the no cost at all is little videos, big results. If nothing else, you'll take better pictures at Christmas. <laughs> if you don't use it to grow your business, you'll always create better content after having seen it and watched it. That's awesome. Andrew, man, I appreciate the time and the wisdom you brought into it. And I want to encourage the audience, go check out that course, find out how you can create better content. And of course, come back this Friday when Andrew gives us some more insights and tactics about of how to go about that. Thanks for your time, Andrew. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Tactical Leadership Podcast. And I hope you got a ton of value out of what we talked about today. I also want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Night Protection Services. If you're a leader in a small to mid-sized business that does five to $10 million a year in revenue and want to improve retention costs, which could actually add up to being twice your employee's salary, all through creating a safer work environment and saving up to 25% in insurance costs, be sure to visit nightprotectionllc.com.